0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Nest Lockdown Sessions. My name is Mike and I'm in for Hambo this week because he's not feeling too good. We've got a special show for you with former Palace midfielder Neil Dans joining myself, Patrick and Chris for a chat about lockdown, football and generally how life is post-Palace for him. We'll be back right after this.
4: No paywall, no subscription. Back of the Nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles.
0: Free forever. So, yes, we, uh, we realised that it, it's amazing that you've carried on listening to us through 18 episodes of uh, Back of the Nest without any football happening in that time. Um, so we wanted to mix it up. So we went and got a, a special guest for you um, and we're excited to chat to him. Uh, just before that though, a quick hello to, to my panel. Patrick, how are you doing?
5: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm okay. Uh had a virtual stag there yesterday, which was uh, a bit surreal. Um, yeah, just 20 people on a chat um, and I'm going to go a few days without without drinking. Um, how, how How is another week in, in Trump's lockdown hell, though? What have you been up to?
5: you know you mentioned uh virtual i had actually had uh, my son graduated virtually uh from law school this week so that was that was different so uh after we had a zoom party for him uh virtually again so yeah that whole zoom thing is very interesting uh the whole uh virtual stuff but you know i mean it is what is i've got to play golf again yesterday so that was fun but i don't i don't talk about trump because um there's nothing to talk about but that aside we've uh had some restrictions lifted over here which is so it's getting a little better day by day. So uh, just basically hanging in there, doing the best we can.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And Chris, how's life been treating you in uh, God's country, Croydon?
5: Well, obviously, you know,
6: I'm I'm supremely lucky to be based here in Croydon, you know, going outside all the time, uh, as I am not. Um, yeah, no, I'm, life's all right. I mean, doing Zoom taverns and all, all of that stuff um, and counting down the days until football eventually comes back. Um, as you know, we, we shared an impromptu lockdown tavern on uh, Friday evening, which uh, result he's partly the result of you now uh, for swearing the booze for uh, a few days. I'm going to test your resolve on that, and we'll report back on the pod in due course.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to put a bit of perspective in that, um, four blokes talking for what turned out in the end to be nine hours. Um, <laughs> I got through so much beer, and then so and then this stag day the next day. Um, I just I don't want to age prematurely, so I think there's a few days without beer will be a good call. Um, yeah, so let's let's get to the housekeeping before we we've chat to Neil Dans. Um So m- mainly our sponsor, the Pitch Sport app. Um, so they've been sponsoring us now for a little while, um, and what I would say is. Um, you know, we don't hide behind a paywall or anything like that. We don't ask you to contribute money, so um, it'd be great if you could have a look at their app. It's free to download. Um, it's the brainchild of several people, including John Solarko. Um, It's well worth having a look. Hambo's got a code on there if you want to befriend him um, and just uh, just end up chatting about chatting about games. Um, Obviously, there's not too much at the moment, but he'll be back soon. And you can obviously do the German games if you're that way inclined. Uh, Hambo's friend code is K-U-G-K-U-T. Um, and it's a fan time question of the week, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, get, just have a look at it. It might not be your thing. It might be your thing. So just just download it, have a look. Um, follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of that lovely stuff. Um, we're going to be promoting a little bit of... Um, Neil Danzy's uh, YouTube channel this week on there, um, as well as the usual stuff. Um, And and mainly what we'd ask in return as well, if you can go onto iTunes, give us a five-star review, help more Palace fans get to know us. Um, We don't do this for the money or anything like that. we just love more people to continue to listen to us. And we thank you for the several thousand people that do, um, regardless of the fact that there's no actual football. Uh, One other thing, if you want to leave any voice notes... You can do that by adding us as a contact on WhatsApp. The number is 0203-575-1266. And without further ado, let us have a quick break and we will be joined by Neil Dans.
4: Reviews, predictions, comments and rants.
0: Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp.
4: 0203 575 1266.
0: Okay, so as we've mentioned, we've got a very special guest today uh, joining us. Neil Dans, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. I mean, people have listened to us now. I I think we're about 18 episodes into doing this during lockdown. So people are sick of hearing about us. So... Let's, let's hear a little bit about how you've been coping with, with lockdown. Like, how have you been finding it? What have you been up to? Have you been keeping yourself busy?
7: Um, yeah, to be honest, if I'm being honest, it hasn't been too bad at all. Um, I've got three kids, um, so they keep me busy enough. Uh, but it's also just given me a chance to sort of have a look at other avenues. Um, obviously, I think you're aware um, about the stuff I've been doing online with the Danzy One Show, uh, which is on YouTube, um facebook and twitter which goes live and stuff so yeah just finding other avenues to just um use me use me creativity and stuff um, and also obviously it's given me a lot of time just to to polish up on the music stuff as well which i've been doing at um an engineering course in for the last couple of years
0: oh great oh yeah we got we got a bit of questions about the, the music in a bit um if you just want to uh, just want to plug your YouTube channel a bit more, I saw that you you, you know you got an interview with Emil Heskey. Um, we, we, we'll, we'll put a link out on uh, Twitter and stuff, um, share it about it for people that haven't seen it. But uh, just give us the sort of vibe about what what you're trying to achieve with it.
7: Um, yeah, basically, um, like a, like you, you'll see if anyone who's seen it, it's just about spreading a little bit of positivity. Um, all the interviews, just looking back on people's careers and just giving people out there something a bit of content. Um, I know, I know myself. And during these times, sometimes you get spare a couple of hours and you're bored, and you know what I mean. It just, it just gives you something different to watch. Obviously, we've had like Emil Heskey on there, um, UK rapper and footballer Kamikaze, and next Friday I've got Tony Bellew on, so which should be a good one as well. And um, so yeah, it's just like I say, getting getting good guests on, like like I say, especially the likes of Emil Heskey. Kamikaze, Tony Bellew—they've all got—they've all got really interesting stories. So, um, just allows them to show themselves in in other lights.
0: I was going to say, I, I love listening to Tony Bellew. He's um, he's a very interesting man. So, uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah, we, we, we'll share them about for you. But um, for people that haven't seen it, well, well worth a look. Um, and then, in in terms of, uh, it's been talked about to death. But get your opinion on it. Um, Presumably you're 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 still in, in contract with with Tranmere. Like what, what's happening with with the leagues? What what do you want to happen and, and what's your opinion about how things are going for the the EFL clubs?
7: Um I think it's 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 a weird one because like we all know, it's unprecedented times. It's it's never been done before. There's no easy solutions and stuff, but um I've heard the talk over the last couple of days about um teams getting relegated who are in that position and stuff and Obviously, we're in that. We come into that category, and um, we're currently uh, three points off safety with a game in hand, and obviously on one of our last three games. So I think it'd be it'd be very harsh to just relegate teams as simple as that, because, um, like you say, clubs, you know what I mean. They work hard throughout the season to to try and keep that status of the league they're in, and I think we've. We've really come to the fore in the last three games. So to just relegate us um, after get, working so hard to get back in it would be wrong. I think there's no real real answer, but I think it would make sense if the promoted sides, and but there was no relegations. And then obviously we'd have a couple of extra more games in the season next year. But um, I think that would be served a lot better than just playing with Like some clubs' futures, because some some clubs are banking on being in League One and wanted to obviously finish off the season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you say, very difficult. It's uh, somebody's going to get upset, whatever happens. Um, So, so what's your situation with Traemu? How how long have you got left for the contract, and and um, how how do you see it going in the future if you do get to restart?
7: Um, I've currently, I'm up at the end of this season. Um, and obviously I'm 37 years of age now so um, every season you just count it as a blessing um, but obviously I'd love to keep playing for Tramia next season and stuff but obviously none of us know what's going to happen um, there's a lot of people out of contract this season at the club um, but you can't really, you, it's hard for the club to do anything or to make any decisions because like you say this has never been seen before so we're all just going to wait and see and and obviously hope for the best. But, um, like I said, if we can get the season up and running again, um, I think that'd be perfect because, like I say, it gives a, a lot of the lads who are out of contract a chance to obviously show Tramia and other clubs that might be looking.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I hope that goes well, and uh, we will keep people posted on that, as I'm sure you will as well. Um. So, why do you use as a sort of springboard for talking about your time at Palace? Um, an interview that came up uh, recently on uh, the Palace website uh, about your time um, being signed by Walnock, getting an injury straight away, um, and and how things went throughout your Palace career. Um, I'll let, let you talk about it quickly. I've just got a couple of comments from from listeners. Um, I told you that we'd we'd hit you with ones that were maybe a little bit difficult to answer. Um, so Brad Campagnac, thanks Brad. Should he have stayed longer, and why did he leave? Uh, Palace Roberto 78 um, I really really liked Neil Dance. He was a huge ray of light For us at a dark time A real fighter And scored some important goals um, I wanted to, to, you to ask If he wanted to go Or he had to leave And then Adam Palace Just saying Why didn't he sign a new contract So um, I know you wanted to put the record straight As it said in that interview So um, perhaps this is a good good uh, Platform to do that now Neil
7: Yeah Yeah um... Yeah, obviously at the time the the club was going through a lot of change and it was, it was a rough. It, I think it's fair to say that it was a rough period um, for the club at that time. And obviously I'd been there three and a half years, and then it, it came to obviously the end the end of my contract. And um, there was an offer on the table um, from Palace, and which I was so grateful at the time for as well. Um, but it just at that moment in time. With everything that had gone on, it'd been an emotional season. Um, it'd been a tough one, especially for myself as well. I was playing in the last year of my contract. Um, obviously, didn't did I, while all the, all the stuff with the administration was going on and everything. I literally didn't know what was going to be happening. So I was I was sort of preparing like I wasn't gonna be there like earlier on. Not in terms of like you preparing like. You switch off mentally or anything, but as we know, um, we went into administration. And anyone who who has read Neil Warnock's book um, will understand that I was one of the players who was put up for this up for sale um, by Palace because obviously they needed to fund um, fund the administration and stuff. So I was thinking, what 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 is happening here? Like, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm getting phone calls from administrators saying that. Clubs have made offers for me. It actually got to the point where I went to speak to Alan Pardew. He was at Southampton. Um, I'd gone up to... Um, I had Swansea on the phone to me, who were flying high as well. And literally, at that time, I, Neil Warnock um, said to me, like, he couldn't. there's nothing he could do about it, but the only person that could really do anything about it was me. And if I chose to go, no one could stop me because of the... Obviously, the situation the club was in, and um, but he he basically told me that he wanted me to stay and fight through the season because the club was in a tough tough spot. So I chose I chose to stay. Um, I turned down the offers at the time, which was good offers. I think Swansea went on to get promoted to the Premier League that season or the season after. Um, but I turned them down to stay because obviously Palace had been loyal to me in the sense that when I first signed. Um, I had a long-term injury, which was, at the time, really, really scary because I honestly thought, like, I'm going to have to retire early because I had a niggling groin injury that literally just wouldn't go away and then I I had to have a sort of major operation on my groins and then that cleared it up and I was thankful for, obviously, um, Neil Warnock and the club and everyone supporting me through that. And then, like I say, once I got in the team after that injury, um, I just give me all, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone could accuse you of anything else other than that. So I'm going I'm to hand over now to uh, to my colleague, Chris. Um, he's going to discuss a few memories about um, particular times during your Palace career. Um, Chris, you wanna, do you want to shoot him? Yeah, that,
6: that's great. Thanks, Mike. And, you know, fantastic to speak to you, Neil. I mean, I, I have particularly um, vivid memories of your time at Palace, um, you know, some of the goals that you scored, you know, some of which were, you know, really spectacular and some of which were really important. Um, and you obviously you played in some, you know, really memorable games for us. I wanted to start though, actually, with just something a little bit more detail about the administration. Like were were you actually on the plane when that information yeah. started to filter through? And yeah. what were your feelings at that moment?
7: Yeah, um, I was on the plane, and obviously flying up to Newcastle and I just we, we didn't really know until we landed because obviously everyone's phones were off and stuff. And then obviously we landed and um, we were still in with a shout of the playoffs at that point and stuff. So you you land and you just think what's happening here because one minute everything's good, you're looking positive, and then literally within the space of a couple of hours, you you don't know what the future of the club is and you you hit with the ten points. So straight away you go from looking up to basically trying to survive. So it was really frustrating and um, I think any, if you ask any of the lads about that, that were in that team, it was really, really difficult and probably one of the, one of the tougher, toughest times I've had in my career. Um, I've obviously had a worse time than that at very last season with the club actually folding, um, but that was... That was the closest before the very situation that it had ever been to that.
6: And yet, within within a few weeks, I mean, you you were on the pitch in the um, game away at Wolves on the memorable night when Danny Butterfield got his hat trick. What do you remember yeah. about that?
7: Um, I just remember looking round and just thinking, like, what a group of players we've got here. Like with all the stuff that was going on, that we were we were still going and we didn't we didn't let the disappointments affect us. And and then obviously to see him. Um, Danny Gerizatric, that was just, that was more like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and
6: and actually, I mean, that that kind of brings, I was looking back at, you know, some of the players you played alongside. I mean, you'd got players like Darren Ambrose, uh, who you had a very special link up with, and also a very young Wilf Zahar. Have you got particular memories of playing alongside them?
7: Um, yeah, um, both um, fantastic players. Um, not to forget... Kleinie, Victor Moses, um, Sean Scannell, do you know what I mean? All all quality players and, and all gone on to obviously bigger and bigger bigger things. You know, you look at like Victor Moses, what he's achieved, the headlines Wilfs getting now, And you could see that from a young age. I mean, as soon as they came in, they they just weren't phased at all. And I think Palace 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 is one of the clubs that I've been at where the youngsters come through. And they just play with no fear. And I'd definitely say during me during my career, I'd have to say Palace has definitely been the club where I've looked at the youngsters and thought, wow, these are producing like top quality, top quality young players. Um, and I haven't seen that since. Like I've I've obviously played with players that have come through, but not so many at once. And um I think that's testament to the way the academy is running and the people and staff there.
6: Excellent. So I, I also wanted to um, just ask about, you know, what your what your favourite goal during your time was at Palace? I mean, you scored some really important ones. You, there was the overhead kick against Peterborough yeah. um, when we won that game 2-0 um, and the goal against Leeds the next year that kept kept us up again. Um, what, what was your favourite goal of your time with us?
7: Um, I'd probably say it was the goal against peterborough i think was that shortly after the administration that goal yeah
6: yeah january yeah, that,
7: 2010 yeah that that was it um, i always remember just because i even when I watched the goals back i think this i think i, I scored two in that game today and yeah um, you did yeah and i remember the second i started punching the floor and going a bit going a bit nuts because that was literally just the frustration of everything that was happening and um Obviously, we won the game and stuff. So when I look back, I think, "Why was I so angry?" <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> but but look, looking looking back, I, I do remember just the frustration of everything that was happening, and it just sort of it was more emotion and just. Um, I think you connect them with the fans. Do you know what I mean? Because you you get that when 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 it's just real emotion, you seem to see the fans. It, it just it it bounces back and forth from the players to the fans and. Um, when I look back, I'd say that was probably the best one just because that was probably one of the most emotional I've ever felt during, for, after scoring a goal.
0: So, And speaking of uh, frustration, so Aaron McGeever um, has sent in a question um, and I assume he's referring to uh, a certain moment against Graham Dorans. Why did he lose his head and get sent off before one of our most important games? I think, I think that's tongue-in-cheek.
7: Yeah, no... Um... No, it's you know what I've had. It's that was probably one of my weaknesses when I was like younger. Should I should have say I wasn't that young, but I mean like younger than I am now. Um, I I always used to just sometimes get the red mist, and I I honestly couldn't couldn't control it. And when I look back at that one, and it was because obviously I had longer hair at the time, and as I went down, I was went to get up, and he pulled my hair down, so I was literally face planted on, on the like on the floor, and I think. I just straight away that's what riled me up and I didn't actually I wouldn't be I would have been fine but I think when we when we came head to head it was literally a split second reaction where I don't know if you've probably anyone who's ever played football at any level sometimes you've had a little kick out or a lash out and you you don't know what it is it's immature really but anyone who's ever played football at any single level I'm sure has had the same um same sort of thing and like I say, I regretted at the time, and luckily for me, it, it it didn't have too much of effect on how the season finishes finished. But I think with every red card, I could look back and say I was stupid there, I was stupid here. But at the end of the day, you live and you learn. And I, I don't get many red cards these days, but that's probably because I'm not quick enough to
0: catch anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it was presumably meant that you didn't get caught up with Clint Hill uh, at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, but, the game after as well, which might be a yeah. blessing in disguise. Yeah. Uh, Chris, well,
7: I was there. I was actually there on the pitch, but I was running away. So, <laughs> Chris, carry
0: on.
6: Uh, yeah, so I, I actually then wanted to move on to kind of post Palace, really. I'm, I'm so afterwards. I mean, you went to Leicester, um, but then a bit later, you ended up at Bolton. So reunited with Dougie Friedman and a few other ex-Palace players as well. What what are your memories of that time?
7: Um, yeah, I was obviously at Leicester at the time. Um, I'd been out on, on on loan to Huddersfield, and it was a weird one, really, because I I did a podcast for Leicester TV the other day as well, and um, it, that was a weird one. What happened at Leicester? Because I I think my first season, I finished the season with seven goals. I captained it. I was ended up captain of the side in the first season, um, and then never started. Went back after preseason. Um, ready to go and then um, never never, ever started a game after that and I think that was due to obviously the financial status they brought a lot of players in and basically they were just making sacrifices at the time so I ended up going to Huddersfield on loan, at, no sorry it was Bristol City on loan and um, then I went to Huddersfield and then Dougie Friedman then gave me a shout and obviously I knew Dougie from Palace days and stuff so Straight away, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, it was obviously only 30 minutes away from where I live now and stuff. So um, it, it made perfect sense. And then, obviously, I went there on loan, scored six goals during my loan period and then ended up signing permanently.
6: And I also, just a, a very different and jumping back in time a bit. Um, so you, you worked under George Burley for the time that he was there. Um, what are your memories of him as a manager?
7: Yeah. Um, do you know what? It's it's mad to say, but I haven't got that many mem- many memories. Um, when he first came, I think um, I was, I think I was injured for the fir- for the first couple of games, and then I think straight away from the from the off that season, it just wasn't it wasn't great. Do you know what I mean? The the not and that was no no disrespect to George Bailey, but we'd obviously lost a lot of players and um, because of everything that was going on and stuff. And it, I, I just remember it being not the best of times. And there, was no, there wasn't no, was that togetherness that I'd been used to at Palace. Um, and then obviously after the, the the loss against, I think it was Millwall, um, we lost 3-0, I think. Um, Jace, Jason Punchin scored a hat-trick. And after that, I think that was obviously the final straw But Like I said, if I'm being honest, I haven't got that in my memories. Nothing springs to mind. Nothing was, nothing was good, and nothing was that that bad. But it just wasn't great, as you could obviously tell with the results.
6: And during that season, um, your you, your last season with Palace, you formed a partnership with James Vaughan. Um, so I just wanted to you know see what what you thought about you know about him as a player and how you worked together.
7: Yeah, um, soon as he came into the club, straight away, he obviously had a. Um, he had a big reputation being the youngest player scoring in the Premiership um, and as soon as he came in we sort of just had a bond straight away and um, obviously he'd lived in my home city for, for a number of years so he knew a lot of people that I knew um, from home so I'd never met him before until he came to Palace but I knew he knew people I knew and then um, obviously because of that we seemed to form a, a friendship off the pitch which obviously turned into a friendship on the pitch and um, I've gone on to play for four teams with him and everywhere I've been with him, he's he's done what it says on the tin. He'll give you everything he's got. He'll, um, he's literally he's such a team player and, and he'll get his goals as well. So, as um, soon as he came to Palace, I think everyone could see straight away. I think he, he ended up top goal scorer that season when he came uh, one ahead of me. He always reminds me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, nothing but fond memories of, of linking up with him at Palace.
0: You talk about your hometown. Are you a Liverpool fan, an Everton fan, or a Tramere fan?
7: Uh, Liverpool all day. But I suppose I, I suppose I'm um, Tramere as well. But obviously am there. But I've been a, I've been a red since I was young, um, very young. And it was it was it was mad. I think it was I don't know, I can't remember, uh, remember when when Liverpool when Gerard had the slip, and I remember tweeting um, on the game when when we. Uh, we played Palace, and I was desperate for Liverpool to win. I have to say, because I am—I've grew up a red, just the way. But normally, I always support Palace whenever they play. But in that game, I needed Liverpool, and all the Palace fans were getting on me, and I was just like, "I can't win in this situation."
0: No, no, but you must be proud then you, if your son's playing Liverpool now.
7: Yeah, 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 he's doing really well at the moment. He's fourteen now, and like I say, he loves the game and. You think highly of him there. So he's only 14. There's a long way to go, but he's on the right track and he's got the right mentality. So uh, hopefully he can achieve his his dreams.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, one more question from Chris. And then I think um, Patrick, he's also on the call, wants to chat to you about your international career as well. So we'll get on okay. to that in a second
6: what i really you know what wanted to say just you know taking the opportunity to broadcast for a minute is just to say you know thank you so much for what you did when you, when you were with our club because um i mean you were absolutely my favorite player when when you were with us for all of that time and i was gutted when you left um and i was talking to my ex-girlfriend uh, yesterday because we um had season tickets together at that time um and when i told her i was going to be talking to you she was really thrilled um and you know said to say something similar like thank you for what you did, because it was so great. I
7: appreciate that so much, and like I always say in every in every interview, like I think in all in all my career, I think um, probably the, the the most special bond I've had with a with a fan base has been Crystal, pa- Colchester United, and Crystal Palace. And like I say, Crystal Palace has always have a place in my heart. I can remember at the end of one season um, when I was. I, I got the fan supporter of the year and I went across. Um, I think the, one of the lads asked would have come to the pub after the game across the road. So I uh, went over there and accepted the award and, that, and the fans were just unbelievable with me. And I'll, I'll never obviously forget that that sort of connection I had with, with, with you guys.
5: Hey Neil, Patrick here. Uh, great to speak to you. Uh, really a pleasure. I'm actually based in the States now. So um, long time Palace supporter. But I noticed that you uh, got a late call up to play for Guyana. Uh, in 2015, did really well there. I know you called for your grandfather. How did that whole uh, call up come about?
7: Um, well, I'd obviously always known about that I had um, Guyanese heritage and stuff, um, but the the program there, like the, did sometimes go two or three years without playing matches and stuff like that. So I'd never really thought about going over there because obviously I was young at the time and uh, my career, my career in England was taken um the front seat um and then it it what it wasn't like you say till 2015 that they actually got going again and, and after a long layoff with no international football because of stuff that was going on in the country and then I got approached and um at at that point in my career I thought why not I thought I've never I never got the chance to meet my grandfather because he passed um when my dad was young so I didn't know too much about Guyana and I didn't have any sort of connection to to where my grandfather had come from. So I thought, I'm going to do this. This is an experience and it's, it'll give me the opportunity to actually go over to a country that I probably would never visit anyway because I didn't know any family from there, literally didn't have no connections. So I thought, why not? And then I went over there for the first time and um, it was an eye-opener the very first time. The, the facilities weren't great. Um, probably the, the, just the whole the whole setup was way behind what I'd been used to and stuff obviously grown in England where everything's done completely um, to the highest standard but it like I say I went back and then kept playing and each and every time I went back it it seemed to just improve and we started getting new players and players com- coming over from England as well and I think Um, by people like myself and Matthew Briggs going over there sort of showed other people from from different countries yeah I'm going to go over there and then we ended up getting a really good squad together and then obviously um, qualifying for the Gold Cup last summer which was a massive achievement that was the first time ever that Guyana had ever um, qualified for any, any sort of major tournament and stuff so to be a part of that and Obviously, to captain the the team in the first game against the States was was something that I never could have dreamed of when I first went over there.
5: Yeah, I was going to say I got to watch a lot of the Gold Cup. Obviously, I'm over here, and um, you know, the region's dominated by the US and Mexico. But you had a really good tournament. Uh, 2019, scored three goals. So, uh, you know, what are your experiences of, of uh, last year's Gold Cup?
7: Yeah, it was it was like I said, it was fantastic. Never in a million years did I think that. I'd get to represent Guyana at the Gold Cup playing against the likes of Panama United States um, in some amazing stadiums and stuff, so um, on a personal note, obviously it was fantastic scoring three and three and I was nominated um, for one of the players at the tournament and stuff, which was unbelievable and just something that I was so proud of and obviously my me, me children couldn't get over there because they had school and stuff, so just even the memories of speaking to them, to them the day after because they get to stay up and watch me on TV. Um, just memories that I know will stick with them for the rest of their lives as they, my kids are 14, 11 and 10 now. So I'm sure they'll always remember that sort of stuff. And then obviously to, to just represent a nation that has had tough times and um, has been sort of fighting to be noticed and especially within football to give them an opportunity to have that pride and see their nation represented at a at a major tournament was amazing. And it wasn't until after I scored the first goal um, against Panama and I got off got off the pitch and then got my phone, I didn't realize how much it actually meant to be, like the videos of celebrations back in the country. And I was just like, "Wow!" Like I honestly didn't even because when it, it was a penalty as well, and I, I honestly didn't have a clue. How big it was for the for the country, you know what I mean? I just thought, oh, just another pen, and then to score it, and then realize how what it meant to people was just like something that I can't describe.
5: Yeah, so it was tough group, Panama, you know, qualified the World Cup, USA. So you guys did really well, considering. So congratulations,
0: cheers,
7: thank you very much.
0: I mean, that's that's pretty good work for a 36 year old, isn't it? Really, (laughs) 36? Oh yeah, really is, yeah. Yeah, I was 36 then anyway. I'm 37 now,
7: mate. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah so, same age as myself. Uh, right, we, we've got a few other questions. Um, uh, we've got one more football-related one and then we'll go on to other topics briefly before we let you go. Uh, Palace Ash, just wanted to let you know, Neil, your record against Palace is played 5-1-5. Five, what's it like playing against palace and i think the underlying tone there is stop winning against palace but
7: <laughs> i don't think i'll ever get the chance to play against them again so um, so you you're just safe <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um so then we've got um I wanted, to, wanted to chat a bit about music and stuff like that so um Sporoni, which is at Caulfield 7 on Twitter, um, which this made me laugh. I don't know if you're gonna take offence or not. No. Are you surprised that you never got picked up by a record label? To me, dot dot dot, you were the northern Craig David. I think that's harsh.
7: <laughs> um no, I'm definitely definitely not surprised I never got picked up by a record label um, to be honest. I've never actually ever wanted to be an artist. That was just a way for me to just to show that I, I like music, but the, the main journey and goal for me was always to just write and produce and stuff like that. And, um, like I say, I, I wasn't taking it too serious then whatsoever. It was just a bit of fun, something different. And, um, like I say, as, as I got older now, I, I've, I've started to take it a little bit more serious, um, doing a diploma in audio engineering stuff and, um, writing, writing songs and that. And, uh, funnily enough, I've just had a, a song took off, um, by a girl from the United States who's been um, signed to Interscope. Um, I think she's had like over a million views on one of her tracks on YouTube and stuff. So um, when I got when I got the opportunity to do that, um, that was something that was amazing. And I got sort of a feeling similar to what I get from football. And that's always what I knew sort of that I'd get and I knew football didn't last forever. So I've just been working hard in the background, Basically, just trying to get up to a certain level before I actually start putting seriously stuff out.
0: So this is you producing because I've I found it yeah. quite hard to find some of your stuff. Um, so yeah, so this is for other artists.
7: Yeah, yeah, for other artists. Um, like I said, I've, I've n- I never ever want to be, never ever wanted to be an artist myself. I've always just been more interested in writing songs and producing songs, and that's always been the sort of. In the back, in the background, that's that's where I'd like to go. So, um, you probably won't won't ever hear much of it coming from me. Do you know what I mean? But I don't do music for that. Do you know what I mean? I'm not in it to to make a name for myself or to do it. I just do it simply because I just love doing it. And that's that was how I started football. That was that's how I like want to live my life doing things that I love. And um, like I say, if if they if they end up um paying the bills as well, that's not too bad. But at the end of the day, I, I just like to do things that I'm passionate
0: about. Well, that probably brings me on to another question uh, from At magic 72 um, Is Neil still involved with various app ventures? Um, I, I'm not sure what he's referring to there, but maybe you know.
7: Oh, yeah. Um, um, I think just after I'd left Palace, I had um, an app that came out. It was called Spitter2. and It was basically um, similar to Twitter, but the, but the difference was you can it was voice notes rather than 140 characters, it was voice notes. So you could retweet, retweet the voice notes, you could listen to people's voice notes and started off like literally doing really well. Um, but obviously I was new to the tech world. Um, me and the partners were new to the tech world and we got it to a certain point and was just like, whoa, this is actually too too big for us. Do you know what I mean? Because you would obviously have to keep, funding it and stuff like that and then in the end we just cut our losses and ended up selling the, the data and stuff so it wasn't too bad um, it was a great experience and like I say learned so much from the actual experience and didn't lose any money that was the main thing
0: Good, good uh, Right, I'm just going to end up with one more comment from uh, Robert Bailey uh, Absolute legend uh, for me while at Palace uh, got stuck in and gave it 100% all the time and if I was to ask you what you wanted Palace fans to remember you for or as? Would it be that? Would it be something similar?
7: Yeah, definitely. Um, Obviously, like I said, I've got so much respect for the Palace fans. Um, They are a a fan base that really, really do support the players through thick and thin. And that was just obvious to see in my time out there, especially with some of the tough times. Um, I think, like I say, I've always been a player that will give 100%. um, I've never claimed to be... The most skillful, the best technical. Do you know what I mean? But the one thing that I will always say that is that I will always give me give a hundred percent no matter the mat situation. And um, that when I hear that coming from the from the fans that they um, seen that and appreciate it, then um, then I know that um, I've been true to myself, and I can't thank them enough.
0: Excellent. And, and Neil, for, for me, like really appreciate you giving up your time. I mean, he, uh, for people listening. Um, he's just he's just volunteered when we've messaged him no money or anything like that so um that's a that's a man that's uh worthy of your respect so cheers cheers for that Neil and I'm sure we'll speak to you at some point again
7: thank you very much for having me guys
0: no paywall no subscription back
7: at the nest fan created
4: podcasts videos and articles
0: free forever okay and it's gonna be fairly hard to follow up that lovely interview with Neil Dance um very sage interesting man he is Uh, and we thank him again for for joining us taking his own time up to do so Um, so before we finish though as ever we've got a quiz and um, because of the fact that Sam tends to do quite random ones and that tends to anger certain members of the panel um, Patrick's gone ahead and done one this week so uh, without further ado uh, Chris producer Mikey and myself will go head to head in Patrick's quiz
5: OK, well, first, I, I won't be as great as Sam because I love her quiz. But since I'm so bad at being on the quiz, I'd rather try myself at the quiz master. So next kind of, quiz will be Crystal Palace FC former managers. The quiz focuses on right. men who have at some point in the past managed the mighty Crystal Palace Football Club created by me and hopefully it will be as difficult or as fun as Sam's quiz. So you guys ready?
0: Uh, I've got, got trepidation after you explain that, but yes, let's uh, <laughs> let's give it a
5: go. Chris, you ready? Oh, yes. All right, I'll start. Question number one. This manager went to Quarry Bank High School, the same one as John Lennon. Who was it? A, Paul Hart, B, Laurie Scott, C, Steve Copple, or D, Dario Guardi? And the answer was Steve Copple. Who got wow. that right? Ugh. What? Who got that right? Sorry, mm. that was me. Nice one. As we all know, Steve Copple was born and raised in Liverpool. So was Paul
0: Hart born and raised in Liverpool, or am I oh, just no. making that up? No, the other three were just former managers.
5: Okay, okay. But I think Excellent. Hart's a scouser as well. Yeah, really I thought he was. But... He might have been. Okay. Which is why I put it there, Trying and trick you. Trick question, I like it. Next question. This ex-Palace manager ended his playing career at Crew Alexandra in the 70s. Who was it? A, Neil Warnock, B, Sam Allardyce, C, Tony Pulis, or D, Dave Bassett?
0: They all sound like they could and should have ended their career at Crew Alexandra in the <laughs> 70s. <laughs> oh, no.
5: <laughs> Again. Love it. Every and week. No one got it right. The answer was Neil Warnock. Played 21 times for Crew Alexandra in 1978-79 before retiring at the age of 30 to become a manager.
0: And I had a lovely time. Ta- a lovely time. A <laughs> lovely time. Yeah, I said to Sharon. <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> I want to go to Crew. See out my time.
5: Right, okay. I haven't got any points yet. <laughs> for a change. How many matches did Malcolm Allison win at Palace? 45, 49, 35 or 52?
3: Not a clue. Um,
5: the great Malcolm Allison.
3: Do a Chris.
6: Let's go for a round number.
5: Someone got oh, it right. Come on. Fifty-two. <laughs> Who got that right? Mike, Mikey again. This <laughs> week, from 1973, 1976, Malcolm Allison won fifty-two matches, drew forty-five, lost forty-nine, and had a winning percentage of thirty-five. Where the num- other numbers came from.
0: Interesting. I mean, that that, that sort of rank in the middle of. I, I remember we discussing averages of wins for for managers in the past, and they sort of go between about thirty two and forty. So he's sort of rank in the middle.
5: Yeah. The thing was, like I said, the fact he got relegated two consecutive seasons kind of takes away from how good he was. <laughs> he was a great manager, except yeah. that was that's a pretty poor record to having a consecutive relegations. But I I loved him. 76 FA Cup semi-final will never be forgotten. Where did Dario Grady get his first job in management? A, Sutton. B, Crew. C, Donnage Hamlet. D, Wimbledon. See, I'm suspicious that Crew's come back <laughs> up again. But um... <laughs> You think? I'm, I pulled the Sam here. The answer is... Sutton. Yes, really? Correct. Hmm. Okay. Boom. But of course, Derek Grady was associated with crew for thirty-six years, hence why I put that in there. But now he started at Sutton. Unbelievable. Okay. When, when was he at Sutton? Do you know? I could look it up if you'd like.
0: I've, I've, I've always had a soft spot for for Sutton United. Um, I think I'm it a kid. In there, honestly
5: because of you, because I know you you always thought about Sutton. So I'll tell yeah. you right now when he was there. 76 of 77. That's his first job. Okay. I mean, I've
0: betrayed Sutton now and become a Hastings United fan for my sins. Uh, but yeah, place in my heart and I shouldn't have gone down hamlet.
5: Chris on the board. Nice one. So we are now on to question five. Who named Alan Smith Director Academy at Fulham? A, Ray Wilkins, B, Kevin Keegan, C, Chris Coleman, or D, Roy Hodgson? Oh, these, these are, great are tough. Alan, great Alan Smith. That is really tough.
0: These are very tough.
5: I try, I tried.
0: It's great though, I can still get the bronze medal without any points. So.
5: <laughs> Keegan. It was indeed Kevin Keegan. One of Kevin Keegan's first appointments was joining when joining Fulham in 1997 was to name and employ Alan Smith as the Academy Director. And yes, the other three were obviously Fuller managers, so I put them in, and three of them obviously were Palace related, Wilkins, Coleman and Hodgson.
0: Ah oh, yeah i
5: shouldn't have thought i should have thought yeah, of that. yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so uh yeah i like daniel smith but that promotion year was brilliant move on now to question six with mike in first and chris in second great question this one which former palace manager was an employee at british aerospace after leaving university a lenny lawrence b steve Coppell, c alan pardew or d ian dowie
0: I cannot no, say Ian Dowie works for British Aerospace, but maybe, well, maybe he did. He's a
5: smart guy, isn't he? He certainly is. There we go. <laughs> the <one>. oh, <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> oh, my god! When Have you, you got said one that, yet? I wanted, right, I yet, wanted to say. Ian <laughs> Dowie went to University of Her- Her- Hertfordshire, sorry, to study engineering and worked at British uh, Aerospace while playing non-league football. He's very, right. very smart. Ian, Ian,
0: this is a public apology. A public apology to you. I am sorry. Uh, I went with Alan Pardew. What he was probably doing at university was smoothing up whoever he could chat to at the local club. So apologies, Ian Dowie.
5: And I think he was Steve a window Cupples. fitter. Yes, correct. Everyone else, Steve Couples also has a, a university degree. Very smart, man. But yes, the answer was actually Ian Dowie. Shocked me too, by the way, even though I knew he was smart. But very well, impressed with Ian.
0: Six questions and no rights. So
5: who's laughing? Ian Dowie.
6: Have you got bounce back ability, (laughs) mate?
5: Well, we'll see. We'll see. Question number seven This former manager suffered from dyslexia as a child. A. Burt Head, B. Sam R. Dice, C. Paul Hart, or D. Tony Pulis? Where did
0: you find this nugget of information out?
5: All of them on your Wikipedia, mate. A lot of research. Okay. The answer is Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce was unsuccessful in his 11-plus exam discovering later in life that he suffers from dyslexia. Hmm. Who knew? Okay. Well, not me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> None of us knew. <laughs> yeah, again, once again. I love this quiz. I You're be... smashing this. I am. <laughs> <laughs> the quiz master smashing instead of the uh, contestant. Yeah. <laughs> we are now... On to question number eight, with three more to go. Come on, Mike, you can
0: do this. I could have a guinea pig here smashing a cable and probably be doing better than me.
5: <laughs> question number eight. Which former Palace manager has the most England caps? A, Trevor Francis, B, Peter Taylor, C, Steve Koppel, or D, Terry Venables? Most England caps. The answer is... Yeah, Trevor Francis, Sweet. Mike and Mikey got it right. Well done, Trevor. Let's go yep, go through real quickly. Venables had only two England caps. Taylor had four. Copa had forty-two, and Francis had fifty-two. We all know Taylor got his first England cap while playing for Palace in the old Third Division, but he was also the last English footballer to score two goals in his first two internationals, a feat equaled by the great Ricky Lambert in two thousand thirteen. Great,
6: wow.
5: question, but... um, I know. <laughs> I, I did not know that Coppola had as many caps as that. Um, yeah, he's, um, again, you probably don't remember him. I remember him. United as a great right winger, and uh, yeah, played a lot. Played uh, unfortunately, no, again, his uh, career ended by injury. But now he was a very good player, C. V. Coppola. Okay. Next question number nine: Which former Palace manager had the most professional appearances? A. Ian Holloway. B. Paul Hart. C, George Burley, or D, Dougie Friedman? Oh, it's got to be one of two for me. Paul Hart's due, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you think, right? But it is... No? Really? George wow. Burley. Wow. So a little background. Ian Holloway had up 598 appearances in his career. Paul Hart, 568. Dougie Friedman had 527, but... George Burley had 628. If you guys don't know, he had a very long career and successful career at Ipswich. And a uh, much better player than manager, by the way. But yeah. Uh, t- two points I'd like to make
0: here. One is, I-, I think in the entire time I've been on back of the nest, George Burley has never been discussed and he's come up twice this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Secondly... Dougie Friedman has the lowest caps and that's who I went for. uh, Lowest games and that's who I went for. Interesting,
5: uh, yeah. All that long long careers though. I mean, Holloway, look at that 598 match. That's brilliant. And even Paul Hart, which I remember at Forest, but he played for a long, long time. I'm impressed. The last question I am going to warn you is very, very difficult. I say it for last on purpose, but let's just do a recap going to the last question. In third, Mike with seven points. Standard, sorry. In second, silver medal. Chris with eight. But once again, smashing it. And I know for a fact he did not cheat. Mikey with 32 points. What? Fantastic. (laughs) I don't know how he does it every, and I mean, Chris, every single week he smashes the quiz. This week he could not have cheated, by the way. Yeah, brilliant. So the final question, number 10. Who won the first trophy in the history of our wonderful club? A, Fred Maven, B, Edmund Goodman, C, Jack Dern or D, Tom Bromelor? I mean,
0: all household oh, names. All household names. Exactly did um, right for love. Oh, Edmund Goodman. You stitched me out of oh. there, kids. You've
7: heard <laughs> of <laughs> him before, right obviously.
5: <laughs> Mike again. Edmund Goodman was <laughs> is the longest serving pass manager taking charge of 613 matches over an 18-year period, was the first manager to win the old Football League Division uh, three South. The others all were runners-up. Well, there you go. Edmund
0: Goodman, you are indeed the man.
5: And once again, got to give it to Mikey. Smashed it with 40 points. Absolutely brilliant, Mikey. Well done. Chris, Mike, well played. I mean, you
0: say well played. Both of us got one out of ten.
5: I tried to make it it difficult but fun, but I guess it was just more difficult than fun. So I apologise.
0: No, no, it was great. Great quiz. (laughs) Um, If anyone at home legitimately got ten out of ten, message in um, and and tell us your secret. Um, Presumably, you are the brain man. Um, There you go. Okay. Well, um, we'll wrap it up there. for uh, for the pods. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Neil Downs. Hope you enjoyed the quiz Uh, and we'll be back with more Irreverent Lockdown chat very soon.
4: Back of the chest. Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. It's the
3: 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.